that we have been in the middle of a series called There's No Place Like Home. We're going to finish it up today. And uh, we've said this month that out of all the needs that people have in their lives, whether it's food, shelter, air, water, whatever it is, uh, there is something that we all need that is a sense of being at home of having a place that we can go to where there's comfort there, there's peace there, there's somebody that affirms us and loves us, and the world is searching for that, and we should have that to offer them. Uh, As we've talked about this month, we've said if we're doing this thing called church correctly, people should feel at home in our midst. That same feeling that they get when they're in their place of home and safety and and security, they should feel that among us here at church. Uh, We also said that the us that God is building together is far more glorious than the me that he saved to do it with. As much as God loves us, he calls each of us by name. He calls us by name because he's building us together into something amazing in the world. And then uh, last week, we, we said that we need to find our tribe and be connected somewhere. And one of the benefits of being connected is we get to deal with our stuff. And we didn't, we didn't really know that that was a great benefit, but it really helps us to grow and to become more like Jesus the more we're willing to be together and deal with the stuff that comes up. Because how many of you know there's stuff in every family? And if you, if you don't have stuff in your family, maybe you're an only child or something. I don't know. But uh, we all get to deal with our stuff and love each other and figure out how to look more like Jesus and walk through it. And uh, I was going to show a couple pictures this morning of some people that you helped to find their sense of home and their sense of belonging. If you want to go this slide, uh, we support a mission in Brazil called Shores of Grace. Uh, they rescue girls off the street from prostitution and sex trafficking. Uh, they give them a home. They give them an education. And uh, I guess it was about a month ago, uh, Andrea hosted a little time after service. There were some people that stayed, and they wrote cards, and they drew pictures and drew cards and, and put little scripture verses and, and encouraging messages inside these cards. And we sent them down to Shores of Grace for them to give to the girls that live in the homes there. And uh, Nick Billman, who runs the ministry, he wrote us a note and said, it was amazing that some of the girls, they opened their cards and it was their life verse. Or somebody had written a note and they, Nick said, the girls were coming up to me and said, I didn't tell anybody else this but Jesus. And it's here in this card that somebody wrote to me. And so what they were experiencing is there's no place like home. I am in the arms of the Father. I am in a place that I'm protected. And he knows my name. And he cared enough about me to have somebody from thousands of miles away write a note and a card that would be him speaking to me. So there's some of the faces of the girls uh, opening their cards and just being excited to receive them. So thank you to everybody that made that happen. Uh, These last couple months, we've been praying. That's our our mission focus for this summer. We've been praying for Brazil and Shores of Grace in particular. So thank you for everybody that wrote cards and helped make that happen. Uh, you put some smiles on some faces and made them feel like, hey, I am at home and there's something here. And uh, so as we're wrapping up this series, there were, there were a couple of things that I saw this week that I wanted to touch on before we we're done. I kept seeing this poster in, in the places I would look, and I even saw it stenciled on some walls in some places. And this is what the poster said. It said, in this house, we do real we do mistakes, we do I'm sorry, we do second chances, we do fun, we do forgiveness, we do hugs, we do loud, we do family, and we do love. And I, and I saw that poster and I thought, man, of all the places in the world that that should be true of, shouldn't that be a description of what goes on in church? Right. 
Come on. There, there should be some aspect of that happening in a church. Church is real. Church is family. Church can be loud. Church can be exciting where we get to deal with our stuff. It can be second chances. There's opportunities. You will have opportunities to say, I'm sorry. As, 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 if you're around for any length of time, you will find an opportunity to either forgive or be forgiven. To either repent to somebody or to, to go and say that. But there is some aspect of family that I saw this poster and I thought, man, that should be part of what the church represents to the world. And so that, that really reminded me of family. And then I saw this other poster that really hit home for me. It says, there's no place like home except grandma's. How many of you had that experience? We, I, I love our grandkids. Once a month, we keep our grandkids, all four of them, for a night. Uh, it's, it's much easier the older they get. I don't know how that works, but it was craziness. When, when they were a little bit younger and, and still in diapers, even one of them, uh, we would, Pam and I would look at each other and be like, why, tell me again why we agreed to all four at the same time. Uh, but there is no place like home except for Grandma's house. And I can remember uh, my dad's mother, we called her Mama Mays. How many of you in the room remember Mom Mays? It's getting, it's getting pretty old now, but um, my, my grandmother passed away in 88, so it's been a little while, but I remember going to Mama Mays' house, and I remember having to get retrained every time I came back to my mom and dad's house because there was no place like home except for Mama Mays' and she would set up the lawn chair from the back porch in the middle of the living room right in front of the TV. And then she, yeah, she was like... It gets worse. She would come and bring me, she wrote me a menu and said, what would you like to eat tonight? And I could check off what was on the menu. It kind of explains a lot, I guess, if you know me and and how I work sometimes. But uh, there was no place like home except for grandma's because I got spoiled, I got comfortable. And and that's not to disparage my mom or dad. They they loved me, they raised me, but they also didn't give me four Pepsis to drink in one night and then send me home. So uh, there was no place like home except for grandma's, and it's awesome. I feel like there should be no place like home except for Jesus' house. Like, there, there should be that much joy. There should be that much love. There should be that feeling of contentment when we come together that we could even compare Jesus' house to Mama Mays' house. So uh, if, for those of you that like a, a little more serious quote, I saw this one from Maya Angelou. She says, I long, as every human being does, to be at home wherever I find myself. And I thought that really describes that sense of longing for home that every human being has, that I want to know that I belong. I want to know that there's a place where I'm accepted and I feel at home. And no matter where I go, because home is not about an address. It's not about stuff. It's about that feeling that we get from being at home and being contented. And there is no feeling like that, like being at home. And if you and I need that feeling, imagine how many people that are out there need it as well. And uh, I think home and families were designed to be welcoming. They're designed to be embracing and include people and to leave a legacy. And uh, when the girls were growing up, I remember one of our favorite things was to have their friends come over the house because it really felt like there was this just atmosphere of joy and, and help and, and, and health in the home when they were all together. And we did that. We opened our doors to include their friends and say, come be part of our family. Now, when Silas went through high school, his friends felt so at home in our house that I had to take out a second mortgage to pay the grocery bill. Because I would, I would come in the door, and there's Silas and his buddies from the cross-country team, and they're, they've got, they just felt at home enough. Like, hey, we, hey, Mr. Mays, you know, they're sitting there eating the food out of our pantry and playing a board game around the table. And uh, it, it was like, where's those things that we just bought at the store yesterday? And, and you look, and there's all these wrappers around the table. But they felt, why could they do that? 
because they felt at home. And that's a feeling, that, that sense of inclusion and welcoming to people. There should be an aspect of that. You know what? I was okay with that. I'm, I'm making a joke about, hey, it costs money and they're eating my groceries. I loved it. Come on, there was something about seeing a room full of guys there that, that felt at home enough to say, hey, Mr. Mays, thanks for letting us be in your house and eating your food and, and just hanging out. And that's part of what we carry and what we should be embracing the world with. Uh, that, that sense of inclusion is very important because God's intention, one of the reasons that he created families was for them to expand. We, we have to do that well to figure out how to include other people, how to make them feel at home, because he wants families to grow. Uh, the first week of this series, we read a verse from Psalm 68 that said he places the lonely in families. Do you know that he doesn't place the lonely in families so they can keep being lonely? His, come on. Am I talking to the right group? Pam's giving me some amens here, so I'll come over and talk right to her. He doesn't get us and say, oh man, there's a place at New Life for you and I'm going to put you right there so you can never talk to anybody else and still be all alone in the world even though you're in a room full of people. He puts us in families so that we can be included and so that we can grab others to come along and include them with us. That's God's desire. Even from the very beginning, the very first family that he put on the earth, if you go back and read Genesis chapter 1, what did he say to Adam and Eve? He said, go and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. His idea, even for the very first family that he created, he said, you're made to expand. And one of the reasons he told them, fill the earth and subdue it, is that sense of family, that sense of belonging, the unity that you have with me, that peace and that contentment. When we walk together in the cool of the day, you need to take that feeling and spread it throughout the entire earth. He says, fill the earth and subdue it. And God didn't, he never said any takebacks on that command he gave to Adam and Eve. In fact, when, when Noah walked out of the ark, one of the things he said to Noah, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. And then you get over in the New Testament, in, in Matthew 28, he, he says it this way. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. That sense of inclusion, that sense of filling the earth, he still wants that to happen, to bring people into his house, to find that sense of family and that sense of home. Make disciples of all nations. What you've experienced here, that sense of being at home and belonging, get others involved in it. Uh, If you look through the Old Testament, I found this verse, I thought it was amazing. When he was telling the Israelites how he intended for them to live, God initiated the biggest pay-it-forward program that's ever existed, and it had to do with making people feel at home. How many of you know what I mean when I say pay-it-forward? All right, I'm seeing You get a blessing, you pay it to somebody else. Somebody in front of you at Starbucks buys your coffee, what do you do? Or what are you supposed to do? <laughs> I was thinking, what do I do? I say, thanks for the free coffee, like, and then I drive away. No, <laughs> You're supposed to say, man, this was a blessing to me. Hey, I'm going to pay for the person behind me. I'm going to keep paying it forward. Well, God did that to the Israelites. He said, you need to pay it forward. In Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 19, he says, you are to love those who are aliens, for you yourselves were aliens in Egypt. And come on, don't, don't get freaked out by the word aliens. I'm not talking about spacemen and people that live in other worlds. If you're, if you're into that, stop. Like, just focus on loving your neighbor rather than searching for aliens because that's why people get the church a bad reputation. Ooh. And, and it, it got really quiet in my aliens sections in the church. Like, 
Come on, obviously he's not talking about little green spacemen or something. He's talking about people who were foreigners. When he says the word alien there, he's talking about a stranger, a foreigner. Really, the emphasis there is it's somebody that says, I don't have a right to be here. I don't belong. I don't feel at home here. I'm far from my home. What can I do about it? I'm a foreigner. I'm a stranger. I'm an alien. And God said, remember that you used to be one of those. When you lived in Egypt, when you were on the run, when you were in bondage and slavery, you were a foreigner. You had no right to be there. You had no standing. You didn't feel at home. And God says, I made a home for you. Now don't forget to pass that along to other people. I think that's one of the reasons, you know, the Israelites, they they had this directive from God to be a light to the nations. Their, Their job description was show them who I am and invite them to come know me. And they had forgotten that. I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus got so ticked off at them when, when he came and started talking to the religious leaders because they had begun to focus on how can we exclude people rather than include people. You, if you read through the scripture, there's a lot of times they got angry at Jesus and he's saying, you're not doing your job. This, you were supposed to be a light. You were supposed to draw people into my house. In fact, my house isn't a house of prayer anymore. You made it a den of robbers. It's all about the money. There were a litany of things that he addressed that he's just like, you are not doing what I intended to do. You've forgotten that you used to be aliens. Now embrace other people and make them feel at home. There was a time when we were all foreigners and aliens from God's house. Come on. If, if you can't remember back that far, maybe you need to, to re- remind yourself and get in touch with your roots. There was a time when we were all living far away from him, when we were foreigners and aliens. We didn't have a home. We may have had an address that we received mail at. We may have had a house that we were born and raised in. But there was a time when we were not at home. Because we were foreigners and aliens, and Jesus loved us so much. We've heard it a couple times already this morning that he called our name. He loved us so much that he came and did something about us not having a home. Home is where you get your calls. You know, every time that happens in church, that makes me, like, I pick up my phone and make sure, like, it's it's one thing to ring somewhere else, but, like, when it's at the pulpit and the pastor's like, yeah. We, we had a pastor friend that came one time, and his phone was in his pocket, and he was up preaching, and it started ringing. And, and he pulls it out and looks at it, and then he answered it. <laughs> and then he tells us later, he's like, he's like, I'm so sorry that rang during... Like, he's talking, it was his son. And he says, I, I always answer my family, because, you know, God never says, I'm too busy for my kids. And so he's like, I've modeled that to my kids. But he, he literally picked up the phone. You could hear him talking to his son. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm in the middle of a service and, and preaching right now. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry, Dad, I forgot. Oh, that's, that's neither here nor there. But it was a funny story. Um, hey, I'll touch on that later. It was, it was a great story. Um, the, the, the religious leaders, they got more concerned about how can we keep what we have and just be with people who are like us that are already here and keep other people out. And that made Jesus upset. So he came and did something about including people. And in Ephesians 2.19, here's, here's the result of what Jesus did. In Ephesians 2.19, it says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. Come on, everybody say, that's good news. 
you are no longer foreigners and aliens means that sense of, man, I don't belong here. I have no right to be here. Jesus completely eradicated that. He destroyed the power of the devil to keep you from feeling like you're not at home anymore. It says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Amen. That is good stuff right there. Consequently means something happened that here's the consequences of it. What was Paul talking about? He's talking about the work that Jesus did. He came and destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. If you read the whole rest of that chapter in Ephesians, it says he took people who were living far away from God and people who thought they were near already, and he said, you all have the ability to be the part of my family. He says, you don't have to be living as a stranger or an alien. You don't have to be sitting in this room today thinking, I have no right to be here. I don't belong. Is this this really the space for me? Jesus did something that caused us from near and far to come together and say, man, I I am a fellow citizen. I am here in God's house. You know, citizens have rights. Citizens have privileges. They have the ability to do things that people who aren't citizens don't. And come on, out of all the stuff I'm saying this morning, I'm not making political commentary on what's going on in the world right now. You, you can debate that another day with other people. Uh, I think there's nations and governments and laws for a reason. But I'm talking about spiritually what Jesus did is he made it so that no matter where you were from, what you had done, you could come and be a citizen in his household. And the rights that he gives us, he, he says, you can call on my name. In, in any situation that, that you're wondering, do I have the authority, do I have the ability to do something about what's going on here? He says, I've given you my name. You can speak to those things. The, the same way I destroyed the power of the devil, I gave that to my children, to my people, to the citizens of my kingdom. That is awesome news, that we aren't foreigners and aliens. Jesus actually gave us the same rights and standing that he has with the Father. He shared that with us. We are joint heirs with him. And the... Oh, Come on, the same thing that God would do for Jesus, he would do for you. Come on, what a thought is that? We, we think sometimes, we picture, oh, well, that was Jesus. He was part of the Trinity, he's part of the Godhead. Of course, those things happened in his life, and he's blessed, and he saw the kingdom manifest, and all these things. But God would never do that for me. Sure, he most certainly would. Because he's taken you from being a foreigner and an alien, and he's given you the same rights as his son, the same rights as the firstborn. He's given that to us. Man, no matter how far away you feel, there's a place for you to come home and to belong and to share it with others. That is actually part of the message he expects us to carry to others is that, hey, there's, there's room for you in the house. What God's been doing in our midst, he wants to continue to grow it and expand it. There's a place for you at the table. There's a seat for you in the house. There, there are rights and privileges that he wants to give to you that are the same ones that he does for Jesus, the same ones he does for me. I think Paul was, was really good at continually reminding people that, that God wants his family to expand, that he doesn't want it to be limited to just who's here already. He wants us to let others know that there's a place to come home. Think about it. Paul was always telling people, he's called us to be reconcilers. He's given us that ministry to, to be reconcilers that bring people in and let them know there's a place for them with God. He called us ambassadors in some of his letters that he wrote. You represent a kingdom that you get to have other people come and be a part of. And there was a 
letter that he wrote to Timothy that I wanted to read one verse out of before we wrap up today. In 2 Timothy, this is what he says to, to Timothy, who was his spiritual son. In 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2, he says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust them to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. There are a couple of thoughts that I want to say about that verse. The kingdom works through relationships. You know, it, it doesn't happen just through head knowledge or just through sending a letter somewhere. Like, the kingdom works through relationships. And Paul says, Timothy, my son, I've invested in you. We, we don't see each other face-to-face all the time, but we have a relationship. I started it with you in person. I've written you letters. I've encouraged you. I've prayed for you. I've invested in your life. And if it worked that way then, guess how it's supposed to work now? We really have to invest ourselves in people to expand the kingdom. So he's telling Timothy, this is what I want you to do. Come on, you can get a lot out of podcasts and books and and watching people on live stream on the internet, but there's something about a face-to-face relationship with somebody who's investing in you where Paul says, Timothy, my son. And come on, he tells him, take the stuff that I've taught you and pass it on to others. Invest in their lives the same way I've invested in you. It doesn't, come on, it doesn't have to be a formal position. Come on, there, there are people here at New Life that they've hung out with me long enough that I trust what they're going to say when they go out somewhere representing New Life. Did, did I give them a title? Do they have a cool business card? No. But we've hung out together, and we've talked about, hey, here are the things that are important to us as a church, and I, and I trust them to go out and represent that to the world. And so Paul tells, I, th- I think this is amazing, Paul gives Timothy... A, a generational command. Come on, it goes beyond just him and Timothy. It goes to the next generation and the one after that because he says, Timothy, what I've told you, find reliable people and tell them. And when they get a hold of it, let them go teach others. How many of you know that others weren't in the picture yet? Come on, if, if we're looking at that, that, Paul's command to Timothy could not have been carried out if the church, if the family, if the home that they had made did not expand. If, if you don't expand the home, there's no way you can say, hey, I'm going to find reliable people and have them teach others. Just by the very nature of this command, Paul's reminding him, the church is supposed to grow. The family is supposed to expand. You're supposed to take what I've given you and pass it along. Just like God commanded us in Deuteronomy, remember that you used to be aliens and love people that are far from God right now. Pay it forward to others. That's what he's called us to do. So he he sent them reliable people, look for others. They weren't there yet, but they were going to be there. And sometimes I think about, you know, that the Great Commission there in Matthew 28 where he says, Disciple all the nations. Sometimes we get intimidated by that because we think, how could I disciple a whole nation? And we forget that discipling a whole nation starts with, hey, let me look for another. Just, just one other. You know, the same way that Timothy was charged with find some reliable guys and teach others. That's how discipling nations starts, is, is I find an other. It could be that simple to say, hey, I'm going to invite my neighbor to come be a part of what God is doing here. And the next thing you know, the discipling process of nations has started. But if we don't take that step, if we don't look for another, then how is a nation ever going to get discipled? 
Ooh, that is exciting. Tim, Tim got up here to do a live announcement last week, and he said, how many of us think that you know, sharing what Jesus has done is really important? We all raised our hands, and then Tim says, how many of you have shared what Jesus has done in your life in the last week? We all sat on our hands. <laughs> There's something about it really is as easy as finding somebody else to share with. And, and I think I need to give this reminder, because uh, sometimes I feel like it happens this way in churches. The reminder is, we're not selling something, okay? Too many times, I think you, you see that verse, like, oh, we're going to find some reliable guys and have them teach others. We, we see something like that, and we get this picture that it's like a pyramid scheme. Come on. Have, have any of you, you know what a pyramid scheme is, right? Have, have any of you, like, you go to a church, and you think, oh, this nice couple invited me over for dinner. They want to get to know me, and they get you to the house. They're, they're eating dinner, and then they say, Tom, are you happy with your income? Have you ever felt like you need more? Come on, have you ever had this pitch happen to you? You're thinking, man, this church is great. They love me. They invite me to their house, and they're trying to sign me up for a multi-level marketing business, or they're trying to get me to be a part of this pyramid scheme. Come on, that's not who we are. That wasn't what Paul envisioned when he was saying, find reliable people and recruit them to teach to others. He wasn't saying, hey, man, this will be awesome. Rusty, if I could just get you and five others to be my downstream, man, we'll get the top money rolling. Like that was not his intention. His intention was the family needs to expand. Jesus died for everyone. He calls people of all tribes, nations, tongues, every color that you could think of. He calls them to be a part of his family. And then he gave us the job of finding reliable people to find others to teach them everything that he commanded to make disciples of them. Here's, here's what I think about pyramid schemes. That's not the gospel. If, if you've got a multi-level marketing business, find somewhere else to recruit people than here in the church. Can, can we just say that and be friends still? Okay, good. I, I got a hearty amen from the back there. I, I saw that hand. Oh. And anyway, uh, here's why. I think pyramid schemes, they're motivated by how can I expand the family because I can get something out of you. And the kingdom is motivated by what can I give you that will expand the family. Come on, that, that is the difference. I think, I think the, I don't know why I'm on this jag this morning. Pyramid schemes, I think, are a perversion of what the true gospel is supposed to look like. Because it says, what can I get, get, get? And the gospel says, what can I give, give, give? And if I do that right, the kingdom begins to expand and people come to Jesus. Anyway, I'll get off of pyramid schemes, but don't invite me to be part of one, please. Uh, so what, I want us to give away something this week. Since we're talking about the kingdom expands by us giving something away, I want us to give something away this week. And I'll tell you what it is. Uh, all families have stories. Come on. How many of you have ever told somebody a story of how great your family was? Come on, you, you can raise your hands. It's okay. I, I see like people, we talk about our families. How many of you have ever told somebody a story of something that got a little messed up in your family? I hope, I hope it had a good resolution. That's, that's what I'll say about those. How many of you have ever told somebody a funny story of what happened in your family? I just, I told one this morning. Pastor answered the phone while he was preaching. That was a funny story that happened in our family. This is what I would like you to give away this week. A story about what happens at New Life Fellowship. 
And it, it could be a funny story. It could be a time when, oh, that was great. You know, we sent cars to, to women in Brazil that, that their world got rocked. Or we bought a church in Africa. I want you to start to share well, some of those stories. Give away a story about our family this week. Uh, that, that doesn't sound too hard, does it? You're not signing somebody up to be part of your marketing scheme. You're not trying to sell something. I just want you to give away a story of something that Jesus has done here at New Life. And then when, when we tell those stories, we need to have stories that happen here that we want to share with people. There, there should be something about life together that generates stories. Good, bad, and the ugly, it's okay. I hope we don't have too many bad stories to share. And if they, they are bad stories here, I'm, I'm trusting they have a good ending. I've, I've seen a lot of situations that when Jesus gets involved in the middle of it, it ends a lot better here in the church than it does out in the world when he's not a part of it. Come on, those are the kind of stories that we have to share. And uh, what, what that does, sometimes the, the transformation that God wants to do in somebody's life starts with as simple as telling them a story and inviting them to come be part of that story. Man, this story would be even better with you in it. And that, it, it may look like an invitation to church, but you know it doesn't always look like that. When, when you're telling somebody a story and trying to gather them into the family, it could be, hey, I'd like you to, to come have coffee at my house. Come on, there's, there's a revolutionary evangelistic tool. <laughs> Invite someone to coffee at your home and just tell them a story about how good God is. Come on, we, we overcomplicate evangelism sometimes, and God really is just looking for, hey, who can I trust to invite people to be part of what I'm doing in the earth today, the expansion of my family and what I want to see happen in the world. If you don't want to invite people to coffee at your house, go see Joe at the mall and he'll sell you some Starbucks. Come on, there, there are a number of ways that we can make this happen. Maybe you want to invite somebody to be a part of a life group you're going to. That's pretty simple. Man, there's, we, we have great stories from a couple of the groups that we've hosted at our house that I wouldn't trade them for anything. Just laughter around the table and getting to know people. Maybe, maybe it could be, hey, we're going to have some stories to tell after we go do the Oktoberfest outreach at Scott Park. Like, come just be a part of that with me and let's see what stories come out of it. But it's, it's so simple sometimes just to open our mouths and talk about this is how I felt at home and the story of what's happening with my family. All right, let's go ahead and stand. And I want to pray for us before we go today. I just want to say thank you for being part of the family here at New Life, for, for bringing what you bring to the table, for being a part of our story, and for, for what God's building in this place. We couldn't do it without you. Man, there, there are so many things that happen that I wish I could take credit for them sometimes, but I can't. It's, it's when the people of God come together. I, you know what? That, those great pictures of the girls in Brazil, I didn't draw one of those cards. Not because I didn't have art skills. I, well, I don't have art skills. But I couldn't make it to that meeting. But the church came together. And they drew cards and wrote, wrote little encouraging messages that, that blessed girls and changed their lives. Come on. There are things that the church makes happen that is just amazing that God does it because he's moving in our midst and we're part of being family. Find, find somebody to love this week. It's, sometimes it's that simple. <laughs> I love you so much. I'm going to tell you a story about our family and invite you to come be a part of it. God, we come before you right now. We thank you for your goodness in our lives. We thank you for a place that we can call home that's got nothing to do with an address or stuff.
that we make our home in you, Father. And we thank you for this body of believers that you've made a home here in our midst, and we ask that you would let us be good stewards of your presence. Let us be good stewards of inviting others to come know and experience you and to find your goodness in their lives. God, I thank you for what you've done in in my life. Can you just take a minute right there? Whatever you're thinking of right at this moment that you're thankful that he's done in your life, just take a minute to, to silently thank him. Lord, thank you for what you've done in my life. God, for those times when we've all felt like foreigners and aliens and you've gathered us into your home. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, I just, consequently, because of what Jesus did, (laughs) we're no longer foreigners and aliens, but you've called us into your family to be fellow citizens, Lord God, with the household of God. What an amazing thing that you did (laughs) that we could never accomplish in our own strength. Lord, bless us as we go from this place. Let us be carriers of your presence in every situation that we go into. Let us be ones that that would speak in such a way that people would see your goodness, that they would have hope, that they would have peace in their lives. Lord, let us be carriers of the kingdom in every situation that we walk into. We honor you this morning. We give you the glory for what you're doing, and we just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.